Thanks for tuning into the Project Login Podcast. The Project Login Podcast features Mainers working in technology jobs across the state. It's meant to be a career exploration tool and follows an informational interview format. Folks from across Maine are featured, from CIOs to software developers to business analysts and more. The goals are to expose our listeners to various technology jobs at Maine companies by people who do the work and raise awareness of education and training pathways into those careers, and finally raise aspirations of young Mainers to pursue these high-wage, in-demand tech careers. Today's guest on the podcast is Hannah Walden. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Angela. So tell me, where do you work? I work remotely at Code.org, which is based out of Seattle, Washington, and I've been there for around three years. And Code.org is a nonprofit focused on expanding access to computer science and increasing participation by young women and students from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. So what is your role at Code.org? I am a curriculum lead, which means I oversee a team of writers who are developing high school curriculum And my team is currently working on the new computer science A curriculum that will be released in the summer of 2022, which will prepare students for the AP computer science A exam and provide a bridge between introductory computer science and higher ed or industry. How did you get to where you are? Well, it's a a great question, and it's been a really windy road. So going way back, I was a humanities teacher, and I taught both history and English. And around 2014-ish, I started teaching history at Maine Central Institute in Pittsfield. I'd always been a techie teacher, one of the first to use technology in the classroom. And I remember back when I was controversial because I allowed students to use their phones for quick polls in the classroom. We've come a long way as a community. (laughs) Anyway, during my first year at MCI, I needed to sponsor a club and I noticed that there wasn't anything computer science related at the school. So even though I didn't know anything about coding myself, I started a coding club. I figured I could teach myself along with the students and That grew in popularity. The next school year, I was asked to teach Coding 101, which was a JavaScript course, and then flash forward to the end of that year, and I kind of caught the bug. I knew that computer science was it for me. I loved it. I wanted to teach as much of it as possible, and I petitioned to add a full slate of computer science courses to the course catalog, and it was approved. So for the next two years, I taught the full gamut from AP computer science principles to CSA to intro to Python, game development, web design, all those courses. And as I was teaching those courses, I was working on really reducing the gender gap in my classroom. I cared deeply about getting young women into the room and feeling welcome in computer science. And so, for example, one of the ways I approached it and thought about this was through the decor of my room. And instead of hanging maybe your traditional nerdy posters, I covered the walls with framed black and white photos of the actual students in my classroom and in the coding club. So just doing computer science together. And I really wanted my students to see themselves as art on the walls and see their, their place in, in this community. I, you know, I brought in soft seating and I, I just generally looked for ways to make the classroom more comfortable for students from all different backgrounds. I wanted to do even more. So I I started to think about the reach that I could have beyond my own classroom. And that's when I applied to join the curriculum team at code.org. 
because I didn't come from a computer science background, I knew I could empathize with those new to computer science attempting to teach. And that's really who code.org focuses on with a lot of their work. And I was hired, thankfully. For the next two years, I worked on diverse projects from the AP Computer Science Principles course and producing the Code Break episodes during the pandemic, which were designed to bring together students from around the world in a live classroom experience. And now I'm the curriculum lead at Code.org and I oversee a team of writers working on our new Computer Science A course. It's so awesome. And of course, we met each other when you were facilitating training new teachers to also teach the code.org curriculum. Yes, facilitating for us. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So tell me, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, going to college, or at least that you had some early training that wasn't in computer science. So Mm -hmm. tell me, tell me what that was like. And then Tell me if you have any special certifications or credentials since you've been pursuing this pathway. Sure. So my degree is not in computer science, although I'll say yet, I'll put a little pause there, but my undergraduate degree was in history and I have a master's in education. And when I was working on my undergrad, I had no concept that computer science was in my future. I didn't even see it as a possibility. I didn't know that it was really even in a that I might enjoy. And that's, again, one of the things that drives my passion to open those doors to people who maybe didn't know that it was out there and that there's such amazing careers in computer science, because I myself didn't know that until those doors were open to me. So I'm actually back in school right now, and I'm working on my second master's and this time at Penn. And I am in their MCIT program, getting my degree in computer science which I plan to have finished sometime next year. So it's been really interesting to see things from the higher ed perspective through their program. And I don't currently have any computer science certifications unless you count prepping international students for the TOEFL exam, which, you know, it's always good to be well-rounded. Who knows how you're going to use your computer science degree when I have that. And being able to work with international students is, is always useful. But as you mentioned, I also did attend TeacherCon, the very first one that Code.org put on in Atlanta in 2016. And that's where I learned how to teach computer science principles. And then I went on from there to become a facilitator and work with Project Login to train teachers across the state. And the rest is history, they say. (laughs) So what's a typical day or week look like for you? So on a typical day, I meet with my writers, either in group meetings or one-on-ones, and they're all working remotely. So we're all across the country and we join together on video calls and check in on their progress, make sure we're all on the same page, address anything that's come up. And then there's other meetings with stakeholders, both internal and external who are invested in the project that I'm overseeing. So I'm working with different teams across code.org, but then I'm also working with stakeholders at different universities and different organizations and nonprofits around the country who are really interested in the work that we're doing. So you get to interface with them. And there's a lot of strategic planning that goes into making a curriculum and creative gymnastics in delivering a product on time. That is both engaging and equity focused, a lot of interesting problems to solve there. And then there's the small projects that I'm kind of whittling away at on the side. I'm currently working on a widget that will help students practice debugging code by unscrambling mixed up code. So I'm kind of playing around with that on the side. 
And then the curriculum team gets together at least once a week. And this is the whole curriculum team from K-12. And it's really good to be able to bounce ideas off of each other, learn what's happening in the other grade bands. And we have a really supportive team. So it's just a lot of collaboration that happens. That's so great. And I love your analogy about the creative gymnastics. (laughs) What do you like best about your job? I really have to say what I like best about my job is, you know, the reason I got into the work that I'm doing right now, and it's all tied around the impact. I wanted to work for a nonprofit educational organization because I really wanted to make a difference in the classroom. And I see that throughout my career trajectory, right? Whether it's in my own individual classroom to the school that I was working in to now where I have an even broader reach. And I, I care passionately about this. I want to work to address equity issues and look for opportunities in curriculum to infuse it with culturally responsive pedagogy. And Code.org gives me that platform. So I really appreciate that I get to do that work. That's awesome. What problems might you have to deal with in your role? <laughs> Uh, well, definitely timelines. I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> there are there are many moving pieces in bringing a curriculum together, and we often refer to it as the chicken and egg problem. So, our our product team doesn't know what to make unless the curriculum team asks for something, but curriculum doesn't know what they can ask for until product makes something and we know what the possibilities are. So part of my role is to kind of smooth that out. Think ahead about all the possibilities, uh, all the possible things we can make and coordinate the different teams to actually bring that about. So I work on kind of smoothing out that timeline, making sure my writers are unblocked to develop their curriculum and have to figure out how to schedule in writing around when different tools will be ready to be used because we need to test out our ideas and build different levels and make puzzles for students. And then I need to make sure that we have time built into the schedule for iterative development. So we want to make sure that we have tested out the curriculum that we've written, that we've piloted it, that we've gotten feedback from our users and then improved it before we release it to the public. And that involves also that we need to get our graphics done and videos done. So all these different pieces that have to come together and it all involves kind of this dance that has to happen when sorting out the different timelines. So you're kind of a project manager. In, in a way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of decisions do you make? So I help guide the vision and goals for the curriculum that my writers are working on. And sometimes this means outlining the progression that a series of lessons will follow or picking projects from a collective brainstorm, just making sure that the things that we are doing are actually aligned to where we want to end up. So really helping to kind of craft that experience for my writers. And ultimately, I feel responsible for delivering a curriculum that is both accessible and culturally responsive. So I, I feel that weight on my shoulders and I you know, want to help and inspire my team towards the, that end. So every decision you make le- keeps going back to that, basically. Absolutely, yes. What is something that challenges you? And this can be personally or professionally. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about how to develop a team that is set up for long-term success and resistant to burnout. 
And, you know, this is really challenging because burnout is pervasive, particularly nowadays with the pandemic and the ongoing effects of that time. And so I've been thinking a lot about how can I grow and develop a team that can meet targets, but within a realistic time frame and not have to deal with some of these long-term effects of burnout? How can I kind of get ahead of that a little bit? And this is a challenge in nonprofit work across the board because we come into it with a passion for change, but we can burn ourselves out with long hours and unrealistic expectations. So I want to honor and protect my team because they're the real superstars. So I'm always looking for ways to improve in this area and just make the overall experience be something that can continue on long-term. I'd like to know what your advice for a young person looking to get into IT or computer science might be. So I have two pieces of advice. And the first one actually comes out of a conversation that I had last week with my summer intern. And uh, last week during our one-on-one, she shared with me about how she persevered through some really difficult computer science classes in college. And she found a friend in one of her very first classes that was at the same level as her. So not ahead, not behind. They both came in same level of experience. They kind of just found each other. And I think that was so key. They were at the same level, which meant they were able to study together. They learned together. They pushed each other and they were able to persevere and make it through together. So I think finding a buddy is really key. And the second thing is sort of related to that, but I think it's so important to find a mentor. Mentors have made such a difference in my life, especially professionally, helping me network, look for opportunities to grow and and develop. One of my mentors really helped me rethink and, and rename the challenges that I was facing as experience that I could reference in the future and kind of reframing how I think about the different opportunities that come across my way to really grow and, and learn. I highly recommend finding a mentor. And I know Project Login has worked on a lot of different ways to connect people with mentors. So I absolutely recommend that you pursue that pathway if you're interested in getting into the IT or computing fields. Thank you. That is good advice. What's the company culture like at Code.org? So Code.org has what I would call culture of respect for their employees. And I appreciate the way that this is demonstrated in concrete ways. So the generous benefits that are offered and the care that is given to those who need to take time for their family or or medical leave or or what have you, Code.org really cares about its employees. And then we also, on more of the fun side, we have a really active culture committee who looks for ways to bring people together whether it's trivia events. And we've had several of these trivia events over the course of the past year. So they are now called Porn Trivia, where we gather together and have some fun themed trivia events. We just had a Marvel trivia. We've done Disney trivia, all sorts of fun ways to show what you know. We've had painting parties and costume competitions and all these different ways that we gather together. It makes it fun to work at code.org. I think there's also real respect for the things that make us different. And, you know, we look for ways to learn from each other. There's book clubs that we've set up. There's different speaking events. For example, we 
recently had actor and activist B. Vang join us to discuss race and stereotypes in media. So there's just lots of opportunities to connect as a community to learn and grow together. Cool. That sounds fun. I know you just talked about your summer interns. So are there internships, <laughs> job shadow and other opportunities? Yes, there are. Uh, so we have many interns who work with us in the different parts of the org. So for example, as I mentioned, I currently have a, a curriculum intern who is working with me on writing validation code in Java for high school exercises. So she's getting to do real work and work that is going to be used in our curriculum while also getting to shadow different members on the curriculum team and participate in meetings, have a voice in meetings, and get to really see what it's like to be a part of a team working on the educational side of computer science. I also have another intern that I'm working with who is on the engineering team, and she is working on developing an algorithm that controls how paint will look and feel on the screen for a tool that we're making. So we really like to give our interns hands-on experience. They get to make real things that end up in our tools. So I love working with interns. They bring fresh perspective. They are a little bit closer to some of our target demographics. And so getting to talk with them and say, hey, I wrote this lesson and I was hoping that this would be really engaging to young women. Could you take a look at it and share some of your feedback and let me know what you think? Is this something that you would have responded to in the classroom last year when you were there? And so we really, really appreciate our interns. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in interning for Code.org to reach out to us at jobs at code.org and let us know a little about you, why you're interested in working with a nonprofit focused on increasing access to computer science education, you know, particularly for young women and those from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. So if that's, if that's your passion, if you'd like to be involved in that work, we'd love to hear from you. I can put that in the show notes too on the podcast so people can find the link. I am really impressed with the number of interns and, and actually they're all currently female at Educate Maine right now and super excited about the ones that can deliver quickly. Like you just give them a little bit of direction and guidance and then let them go off and they make and create these awesome things back for you. And you just, you just never know what an intern's going to do for the organization. So I really appreciate that. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. We're at the last question, which is, what is your favorite place in Maine? So I have lived in Maine for a long time, but I will always be from away because I was not born here uh, like my husband and my kids uh, or my kids were born here. And I'm, I'm always finding special places in Maine that become new favorites as I travel around the state. But one place that stands out to me is a place I went first to around five years ago with a group of computer science teachers from across the Northeast. And we gathered at the Scudic Institute for an AP summer intensive to learn about AP computer science principles. This place for me is just infused with memories of laughter and adventure. I am 99% sure I saw a bobcat there one evening. So lots of fun stories. But now when I go to Scudic Point and I feel the wind and I hear the waves below, it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot that I never would have probably gone to had I not gotten involved in this in this program at the Scudic Institute. 
And I know I found my happy place there. I love going back there. I love visiting there, bringing my family there. It's just a beautiful spot. I think it just embodies some of the best of me. That's a good one. We haven't had anybody say that one yet. So I love it. I also think it's a great combination of sort of like nature and environment, but also a great place to host like professional development and other Mm -hmm. things. So thanks again for being a guest on the podcast, Hannah. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Angela. This is fun.